This is the AM640 Afternoon Drive Show on Talk Radio. AM640. We are joined now by uh, U of T professor Jordan uh, Peterson, who's been getting a lot of press over the last few uh, weeks because he has decided that he is not going to use uh, preferred pronouns in his classes at U of T. And he wrote a fantastic piece in the Toronto Sun. It is, uh, wow, it's great reading. Uh, Welcome to the show, Mr. Peterson. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to have you on because I think a lot of people, um, when we hear about you not wanting to use gender pronouns, I think people are thinking, well, you know, if somebody wants to be called he or she, really, why is that such a big deal? This goes far beyond that. Why? Well, I had two fundamental objections to begin with. Uh, The first was is that the legislation, which is already enforced, by the way, in Ontario, not only it it, it goes farther than any any speech laws have gone before in Canadian history. It doesn't regulate what you can't say. It tells you what words you have to say, and there there are words that the government now requires. Um, So it's the first time that we've had a speech law that was oriented towards directly regulating the content of citizens' speech, which I think is a big mistake. It's a door we don't want to open. The second reason initially was that I don't like the made-up pronouns, the G and the jure, that that uh, I think neo-Marxist radicals have come up with. Um, they're not they're not tenable words in my estimation. If they were, people would be using them naturally. They wouldn't need legislation to to impose them um, and the legislation is actually quite draconian because it throws discrimination on the basis of misgendering by pronoun into the category of hate speech. And, yeah, that to yep. me seems, you know, amazing because, you know, I'd like to think I'm relatively informed. I'm very open-minded about gender identity. Uh, I don't have any problem with how you want to identify uh, yourself as and, you know, how you do identify. I'm pretty open-minded, but I had no idea there were 30 pronouns. And well, so that is that, a lot that, of tap dancing you have to do when you meet someone. And, you know, it can make for uh, just a common interaction incredibly uncomfortable. Yes. Well, and, and the claim is, I mean, first of all, I don't think the people who, who tabled the legislation initially saw the 31 to 60 or 70 different gender identity things coming. I mean, no one would have guessed that if you demolish the binary gender pronoun system that you would instantly produce dozens of variants, but um, that seems to be what happened. But I also don't think that people have the right to ask that of you. I mean, discrimination means failing to include, failing to um, allow people advancement, say, in society as a consequence of their particular talents and skills. And this actually marks out people for special treatment. And in my estimation, in order for you to be special to me, then you have to be special to me. Mm. And I, I think it's a, I think it's an inappropriate demand on the part of the speaker. Uh, I also think that the claim that the use of such pronouns will be in the best interest of, say, not specifically transgender people, eh? because transgender people, the vast majority of them, would like to be called he or she, sure. just the opposite one, the opposite gender to which they were born. This is a small minority, many of whom are doing this, I believe, for fashionable purposes. And I think of it as a form of it's a form of um, maybe fantasy play and also Hmm. narcissism. You bring up this interesting uh, analogy, you know, uh, you compare it to you interacting with a bank teller in the article. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Because that makes a lot of sense to people, I think. Well, look, I mean, 
each of us is only one person and we're surrounded by millions of other people. And part of the way that we keep our society functioning flexibly and efficiently is to lessen the cognitive load that we place on each other. And the reason we dress in particular relatively traditional ways and act out relatively traditional roles is so that we don't burden each other with excess complexity when we're trying to go about our day-to-day business. Like most of the time when you're interacting, especially with strangers, you want to be able to identify them at a glance. And so they dress that way to simplify themselves for you. And you want to boil down the interactions to a few basics because if you have to take the entire complexity of the person into account every time you interact with someone, it makes normal day-to-day, simple, business-like, efficient interactions impossible. And we don't want that. We want to facilitate those sorts of interactions. It's also in the best interest of the person to do that. You know, another thing I've been thinking about, about this whole identity issue is yeah. the law instantiates the idea that you are whoever you think you are, mm-hmm. in fact, whoever you feel you are. Your identity is completely divorced from that of other people's opinion and from the underlying biology. And, and that's law, by the way. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, that's, that's an unbelievably unsophisticated conception of identity because your identity is partly who you think you are, but it's partly... <sighs> What, how you've negotiated how other people are going to interact with you. Because it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's part of a social game, and you can't just play a game by yourself, and you can't demand that other people play it. And then also, identity is something that functions in the world. You know, so if you have a successful identity, let's say you're a, you're a father or a mother, and you have a, a, a career and a trade, well, those things function in the world for you. They, they facilitate your movement through the social world and they keep you from starving. Mm. So, so an identity is much more complex than someone's felt sense of, of who or even what they are. And, and that's another issue because once you open the door to an identity that's purely based on felt sense, you, you move far beyond uh, the 31 gender pronouns say in terms of potential complexity. So there are groups now that call themselves other kin and they're, they're requesting the same treatment that the gender bender transsexuals. So those aren't the standard transsexuals are, are uh, requesting. And these are people who identify as, and I, I'm dead serious about this. There was a paper about it published by Cambridge university or Cambridge university that I tweeted about. These people identify as elves and as puppies, and as bears, and as fairies, and dragons. And they claim that this is not play acting, that that's their genuine identity, mm-hmm. and that they have every right to be addressed that way. I want to come back. I want to get you to hold on if I can. i got to take a quick break here. I want to come back, uh, Mr. Peterson, and talk about why you think Federal uh, B, uh, Bill C-16 is, uh, is dangerous, why you have a problem with it, and why you're not a fan of hate speech laws in general. Yeah. We'll, we'll be right back. Talking to Jordan Peterson, who is a U of T prof, has been getting a lot of press lately because he uh, refuses to use preferred pronouns, pronouns, uh, gender pronouns. There are 30 of them. And he's also been posting some interesting videos about political correct- correctness on his YouTube channel. Uh, I think it's really interesting, your article that you uh, posted in the Toronto Sun today. It's about four pages long. You make a lot of uh, sense. Because I know, you know, a lot of people, I think, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that respect people's rights to, uh, you know, have and uh, enjoy their gender identity, whatever they choose that to be, and to enjoy their gender expression. Uh, So, you know, I think the first, 
you know, for, for a lot of people, the first thought is, well, how can you restrict someone? That's not what you're talking about at all. So I want to get back to you. why you're not a fan of hate speech laws. Well, I think that it's dangerous to drive haters underground. In fact, I, I think some of the newer restrictions on freedom of speech, like the ones we're seeing in Bill C-16, um, emerged in consequence because of the hate speech laws that people put into place in Canada back in the 19, and I believe it was in the 1980s. I mean, free speech, people think of free speech as necessary so that the people who are being ruled can criticize their leaders. But that, that's not what free speech is. Free speech is a mechanism, and it's a mechanism that individuals and societies use to keep themselves oriented between extremes, extremes of chaos and extremes of order. And so with free speech, we're able to make statements about what we believe to be the problems that are currently besetting us as, and to make them badly. Because when you first formulate a problem statement, when you're trying to figure something out, you're likely to do it quite badly because of your biases and your lack of knowledge, but you're stumbling towards the truth. And then if you make a public statement and people oppose it and criticize it, then with any luck, you can, formula, you can reformulate it more precisely with the new information that you've been provided. And, and, as a consequence of an iterative process between people, then the problem can be formulated very precisely. Then we can discuss solutions and go through the same process, and then we can negotiate the implementation of those solutions. And so that's how we solve problems and then implement the solutions in a negotiated way without having to resort to, to tyrannical force and conflict. And that, so because that mechanism is so central, yep. any, any legislation that restricts it, restricts it should be should be uh, implemented with extreme caution. Federal, I think even in the case of hate speech, that, yep. that, 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 that danger exists. I want to talk about Federal Bill C-16 because you've mentioned it's now passed its second reading. Discrimination yeah. for reasons of gender identity and gender expression has now become not only illegal, but part of the special category of hate crime. Um, so that is your main problem with uh, Bill C-16, I would imagine. Well, let's look at, no, we haven't even talked much about, I have many problems with Bill C-16. Okay, well, let's, uh, we have, since we have like three minutes left, okay, let's hit let's on the most. Let's on gender expression, because yeah. we haven't even talked about that yet. Well, if you look at the Ontario Human Rights Commission website, you'll find that they have a definition of gender expression. And gender expression is very little more than how you wear your hair, your makeup, and your clothing. And it says that on the site. I'm not making this up. And so I was reading that, and I thought, well, that's no different than fashion and, and gender expression by, by the dictates that are embedded in the law is nothing other than personal choice. So it's your personal choice of fashion. And so now we've, we've constructed a law that's going to be, be implemented federally and that is already implemented that, in that manner provincially that makes criticizing someone's fashion a potential hate crime. And to me, that's just... It's so absurd that I can't believe that it's actually happening. And, and I think many people feel this way. You know, I, wrote, I did my first videos about this on September 27th. There have been 115 newspaper articles about it since. And we, I haven't even been able to count the number of YouTube uh, videos that are, that are following it. And, and the viewership is in the millions now, with, especially with regards to the demonstrations that took place at the University of Toronto. Like, for some reason, what I did really struck a chord. And I, I think the reason is, is that people feel widely, although somewhat in a somewhat inter inarticulate manner, that the politically correct 
uh, ideology that underlies this sort of legislation has gone f- way too far. And I really believe that. I think, it, I think it presents a clear and present danger to our society. And I don't think that if, I think if that wasn't true, then none, none, then what I did wouldn't have attracted anywhere near the attention it has attracted, which, which has been constant for five weeks. Do you think that the, you know, the government is just uh, rushing to make this law and pass it through without, you know, thinking of, you know, without really concentrating on exactly what this means, uh, the repercussions I, I, well, of it? I think, I think, so. I think it's will, it's willful blindness. Okay. And and willful blindness is when you could know something but you choose not to. And I think that the people who are doing this, and and I place the blame squarely on the on the on the backs of the people who are who are occupying positions at the Ontario Human Rights Commission. I yeah, you that, actually want the uh, Ontario Human Rights Commission abolished. You'd like yeah, to see think, the uh, tribunal gone too. Yes, I think it's the most dangerous. I think it might be the most dangerous organization in Canada, and I, and I don't say that lightly. I look their policies over very carefully, and I think to some degree they know what they're doing, and to other and in other ways they don't. I mean, like like people, you know, that's typical of people, but. Uh, they're certainly not willing to to investigate the full uh, implications of the legislation. And then when I do point out its potential dangers, the the social justice lawyer types come out of the woodwork and say that I'm just scaremongering. But but I can tell you this: when I made the videos to begin with, I said in the video a that the, what the act of making the video was probably illegal, and b that my employer, the University of Toronto, was on the hook just as much legally as I was. Where do you sit written, with them now? Well, they've, they've written me two letters telling me not to talk about my refusal to use gender-neutral pronouns anymore because their lawyers went over the policies and decided that my interpretation of the policies was correct. That not Isn't the university where you're supposed to discuss things like this? Well, to their credit, they have agreed to host a debate. I, I proposed that to the dean who wrote me the second letter about 10 days ago, and we're just in the final rounds of um, of specifying when the b- debate is going to take place. Because, you know, I asked them, I said, look, there's obviously an issue here or it wouldn't be receiving so much public attention. So, And there is a broader issue that has to do with public correct or political correctness. Well, listen, so- we could talk for, I'm sure, the whole hour on this. Uh, but I would like to, this is going to be an ongoing story for sure. Jordan, I'd like to talk to you when, we, when you get an update on what's going on with the university. And uh, I'm sure this story has legs. It's not going to stop anytime soon, that's no, for sure. No, it doesn't seem to. No, well, and I'll, I'm tweeting about it regularly, trying to stay on top of what's going on. So if you just watch that. But All right. The debate is going, to, is going to happen, and it will be live-streamed on YouTube. Okay, well, we'll keep us filled in, and uh, okay. we appreciate you joining us on the show. Wish I had more time for you, but that's about it right now. Okay, yep. All well, right. Good, good talking with you. Have yourself a nice day. That is uh, Jordan uh, Peterson. He's a U of T prof, and, you know, he's been getting a lot of press lately about uh, his the fact that he doesn't want to use preferred gender pronouns, and I thought we should have him on the show because uh, I, I just thought he should be able to have his say, and I know that... Uh, you know, he's, uh, he has some ideas that are questionable, but I think a lot of people would also think he makes a lot of sense. So I thought, let's give him some time. The AM640 Afternoon Drive Show. Listen live. Weekday afternoons from 4 till 7 on AM640. Or download the app at 640toronto.com.